0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.
1: I am with you always. As you breathe in, my presence surrounds you. The creator of humanity. Are you listening for me? I know that you long for my presence, for my heart is to be present with you. I watch as the morning light announces a new day. In the breeze brushing past your face, I am with you every step of the way. In the struggle and the challenge, I am with you. I will walk with you through fire calm the raging seas. My spirit will never leave you. Come find me. Search me out. Sit in my word and soak in my presence. Practice walking in my footprints. Dance in my court. Bring shouts of thanksgiving. See creation in vivid color as you discover me, the creator My voice is speaking, my presence is here. No matter your circumstances, I am with you always.
0: So, uh, hey, let me pray. Dearly Father, we thank You for this morning. God, we thank You for the rain on the roof. God, we thank You that as a church and as churches all around our nation, God, just months ago, we prayed for rain. God, we pray for rain, physical rain over our nation, but God, we also prayed for spiritual rain over our nation. So God, we thank you for the physical rain. Thank you that it's affecting and it's hitting places that need it so desperately. But God, we pray now, we seek you, God, for spiritual rain to fall over our city and over our nation. God, for people who are sitting here this morning, or people who aren't sitting here this morning, who find themselves in hopeless, dire situations, God, that they might realise that there is a God that loves them. God, that there is a God who is for them, that wants to fill them with, His, with, Your, with Your presence. So Lord, I just pray this morning, Lord, in these moments that we have together, I pray that we will not hear my voice, but simply we will hear Your still small whisper. God, minister to us, speak to us, challenge us, stir us in this place this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you've done, and we thank you for what you are about to do in the moments we have together. In Jesus' name. Last Sunday, we we had Vision Weekend across the whole weekend, and and we launched uh, the word that we felt God uh, saying over our church, which is presence. And, And as I stood up here last Sunday, uh, I was really excited and I'm still really excited because one of the things that I've, I'm continuing to discover is that deep in the heart of every person is a longing to, for, for, to be in God's presence. Deep in the heart of every person is a longing for God's presence because deep in the heart of God is a longing to be present with His people. Deep in the heart of every person is a longing for the presence of God because deep in the heart of our God is a longing to be present with His people. So over these... uh, these five or six weeks that we've got together, we're going to look at a variety of different ways where God wants to be present with us and we can be present with Him. And this morning, we're going to, we're going to look at a topic that, to be honest, I've never preached on. To be honest, it's probably not one of my go-tos. Uh, and probably for some of you, maybe most of you, it may not be yours. And so, but it's something that is so incredibly vital. And so this morning, we're going to talk about we're going to be hungry for God's presence. Now, before we get into what that means, I want to tell you a story. There's a, there's a a theologian, a pastor, and author whose name's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, a lot, amongst a whole lot of other ones. And he grew up in an era and a time. Uh, he grew up in Germany during the rise of Adolf Hitler and, and the rise of the Nazi army. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was obsessed with the idea that there could be, and there was a God who was, present, who was desperate to be present among his people. And so he was so disillusioned with a church in Germany that he decided that that, that wasn't okay anymore. And so what he did is he started his own resistance movement called the Confessing, Confessing Church. And he insisted that, that Christ, not Hitler, was, was the head of the church. And because of this, because of his teachings, he became outlawed in Germany. And as a result, he was forced to move his church and start an underground seminary. And one day one of his friends came to him after reading, reading one of his books. He came to him and, and he said, look, I love your passion I love your excitement. But isn't this just a little bit too much? I mean, isn't it a little bit too hardcore? I mean, isn't it just a little bit too extreme? Maybe you should just lighten up a little bit. Bonhoeffer asked his friend, and he said to his friend, hey, why don't you just come with me for a moment? So they jumped in a little boat and they rode across the lake that was just near the ceremony, the church of, of where he was. And, and then they climbed up a large hill. And, and when they got to the top of the hill, they hid amongst some trees and they looked down into the valley on the other side. And on the other side of the hill was, was Nazi aeroplanes taking off and landing. On the other side of the hill in this valley was, was thousands of troops practicing and rehearsing and everything else. And in that moment, Dietrich Bonhoeffer looked at his friend and he looked back to where his underground ceremony set. set, Thank you. was with 50 pastors being trained and discipled. And then he looked back to the Nazi army being trained and discipled. And as he looked at his friend in the eye, he said, you know what? This has to be stronger than this. See, so that's the heartbeat of our church. See, in 2020 and beyond, we want to grow a church that we are a church that's stronger, that's more beautiful, that's more compelling, that's more powerful and impacting the society that's breaking around us as we speak. And so this is why more than ever at the deepest parts of my being is a crying and a longing for more of God's presence because I don't know about you this morning, but I need more of God's presence. I need more of God's presence in my family. I need God more of God's presence in my life. I need more of God's presence as I seek to raise three kids. I need more of God's presence as I seek to lead this church. I just need more and more and more of God's presence in my life life. So this morning, we're going to talk about being hungry for God's presence. But I've summed it up basically like this. I want to be hungrier than the presence, for the presence of God than for food. I want to be hungrier than the presence, for the presence of God than for food. So we're going to look for a few moments at this topic of fasting. Now, I need to just confess one thing with you. Can I be honest with you? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, Fasting is not one of my go-tos. Fasting is not something I've ever preached about. Fasting is is actually something I've probably not very heard preached about. It's not something that I read on because it's something that I love to do is not fast, but I love to eat. So one of the challenges for me is this is going to be a really significant challenge to take a moment, to take a season in my life and to fast and to, to, to seek to be hungrier for God's presence than for food. You see... I have had moments in my life where I fasted for different seasons for a day or two or or maybe three at a time. I remember when I was down in Melbourne uh, and I was a pastoring down there. One of the things that I would do is once every term I would get away and I would go to what I called my spot. Now it wasn't my spot, but I would like to call it my spot. It was was a, a paddock that was near where I grew up. And it was on in the middle of rolling hills and there was a nice tree with a log underneath it. And I would grab my Bible and I would grab a bottle of water and I would go and sit in that place. And I would rest and I would reflect and I would read and I would pray. And I would look out about the, the rolling green hills and in the distance was all the mountains. And it was such a beautiful place. And what I realized is something that wasn't intentional. As I, take a, as I would take a moment out of the, the crazy of life and just kind of retreat and pull back and, and just sit in God's presence and go, God, I have no agendas today. God, my only agenda is I just wanna hear from you. God, my only agenda today is actually just in a moment of connection with you. And as I would rest, as I would read, and as I would listen, what I realized is that it was kind of like a moment when God would crank the volume dial up in my life. It was like, almost like God would get a, a spiritual can of Red Bull and pour it all over His Word, that as I opened it up, it became more alive, and it became more vibrant, and it spoke to me in more significant and powerful ways as I took a moment to fast and take some time away. And so on that day, I would fast. And they would drive fast home and I would go and eat dinner because at that point I was really hungry. So fasting is not something that I've been naturally uh, inclined to do over my life. But as a church this morning in every campus across our church, there is a pastor just like me standing in a, on a platform just like this, saying that across Gateway over the next 21 days, we are calling our church to a season of fasting to do something to seek God for breakthrough and blessing in my, for my life and for your life for our church and for our community because I want to be I want to be more hungrier I want to let me say that again I want to be hungrier for God's presence than I want to be for food I want to be hungrier for God's presence than for food See for some of us For some of us, you're like me, and you've not really fasted much. You've maybe never tried it before, or maybe you've tried it once or twice or whatever it might be. So for some of us, it's going to be a challenge. For some of us, it's going to be a new adventure that maybe we're not quite so always excited to do. And for some of us here, it is something that's actually part of our routine. It's actually part of our lives. And you know firsthand the goal that we, the rest of us, are about to walk into together. See, there's something about seeking God first above stuff, above our natural longings and desires so that we get to a place where we are so hungry for Him. And you know, I am really, really excited as we walk into this because I'm excited not about not eating, but I'm excited about what God is about to do in my life. I'm excited about what what this is going to mean for my family. I'm excited what this is going to mean for my marriage. And I'm excited for what this is going to mean for our church, what it's going to mean for our community. As we set aside a time where we say, you know what? God, You are more significant. God, You are more important to us than our earthly desires so i want to just spend a few moments just getting super super practical we're going to talk about the what we're going to talk about the why and we're going to talk about the how of fasting together for a few moments this morning what is a fast simply put biblical fasting is this refraining from food for a spiritual purpose Fasting is about our relationship and reliance on different things, whether it's food or TV or social media or coffee or, or alcohol or whatever it might be. It's our reliance and our, and our relationship with something that is so significant and so important to us that during this season, we're actually saying, you know what? Although those things are really significant and all those things are really important to us, I'm actually going to prioritize my walk with God over those things. See, it's finding something that we would naturally turn to as a reward or turn to as comfort. And say, God, you know what? My reward, I want my reward to be found in you. God, I want my comfort to be found in you more than all of these things. The Bible talks in quite a few different points. It talks about fasting. It talks about fasting generally in one of three different categories. One, there's the absolute past. Sorry, absolute fast. And this was normally for a short period of time. It obviously, it's important to have medical advice and and, and supervision as you do that, because it means that you don't eat and you don't drink a thing. And so this fast was generally for a very short specific of time. And it was often in times of dire emergency, when we desperately needed God to break through in something in their lives. And so they would refrain from drinking or eating anything. The second one was the normal fast, and this is kind of the most common one that we kind of hear of, and it's, and it's normally moments where we, where we stop eating something, we'll still drink or, you know, and, and we'll stop eating for a, for, a, for a period of time, and then there's the partial fast, and, uh, and Carla talked about it this morning, it's the one that I'm going to do in this season, which is called a Daniel fast, which, which basically means that all of the fun stuff out of my life, food-wise, is now taken away from me. I'm three-quarters German, and so meat... And, and bread is really important. And the Daniel fast means no meat, no bread. Uh, I'm adding in no coffee, and it means no desserts. So I'm stuck with vegetables and, uh, and fruit. And so if you've got a cranky campus pastor for the next 21 days because he's had no caffeine, that's all your fault. No, isn't it? So this is the, 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 the Daniel fast or the partial fast, where well, we stop something that's significant to us to put our attention our focus On God. During these fasting times, it's a moment where we we substitute our time that would normally set aside to eat and drink and, and or watch TV or go on social media to actually spend significant time in praying, in interceding, and focusing on God's word and focusing on God's presence. See, fasting is not new. All through the Old Testament, we read numbers and numbers of people, whether it's Abraham or Moses or, or Esther or, or David or a lot of the prophets. And and in different times, the whole nations were called. And, and in fact, uh, in Jonah, the book of Jonah, we read that the whole... Um, the whole city of Nineveh actually prayed and fasted and God heard their prayers and spared the whole city. And so we read it in through the, the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, you've got Jesus modeled it. he did a 40-day fast. The disciples did it, the early church did it. And so fasting is not necessarily something that's new or, or anything else, but it's been something that over the centuries and from the beginning of time that God has said, this is a significant thing. And I want you to prioritize me more than our earthly needs. So why fast? You know, it's amazing what we'll do when we get hungry. I remember when Shadi was pregnant. I remember the late night trips to a supermarket to buy gherkins and uh, what are the little onions? Uh, the, um, I can't hear what everyone just said, so I'm going to look at my notes. If They're called the um, it's pickled onions, you know, little pickled onions. And, and Shadi would have these random cravings for random things at random times of the night. And I would have to jump in the car and I would go and get these things to appease my wife who was with child. You see, what I discovered through that process is that it's amazing what hunger will cause us to do. I want to tell you a little story that's found in the book of two kings. It's a story about the, the, the nation of, of Israel that was in a city called Samaria. And they found themselves under siege by, by a king whose name was Benadad. And he was the king of Aram. And so what he did is he besieged the nation, or the, 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 the city of Samaria. And so what he did is he cut off the, the supply lines, all food and water and everything from getting into the this, this city of Samaria. I love the Bible because it gives us little tiny details. It talks about the fact that uh, that a head horse sold for, and it, and it rattles off that man. And for us, that means nothing because it talks about shekels of silver and all sorts of different things. And I did some translations during the weekend, and the an equivalent was that horse head, which was going to be used for food, sold for roughly around about four thousand Australian dollars. We will do desperate things in desperation. For some food, and so here they were. They were so desperate. And It goes on to tell some crazy stories about the cost that people would do and the things that people would do just to try and get food. And then in Second Kings chapter seven, verse three to seven, we read this happens. Now there was four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gates. Let me just pause there for a second. A lot of you know, but some of you may not know that, that if you were a leper and you had a disease that was highly contagious, then what you were forced to do is forced to live outside the walls of the city. You were basically sent out there, in a sense, to die because they didn't want to catch what you had. And so you were kicked out and you lived in a little community with other people who were basically waiting to die. And so here are these lepers outside the city walls being kicked out by their fellow people because they were afraid of what they had. And so here we find these lepers standing at the entrance of the city gates. And they said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, then we're going to die. So let's go to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live, bonus. But if they kill us, well, we're going to die anyway. And goes on to say, after dusk, they got up and they went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a, great, and, a, and a great army. And so they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to attack us. And so they got up and they left and they fled at the dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys." They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. So the, these men with leprosy, realizing they had nothing left, realized that either way they were going to die, whether they died at the hands of starvation sitting outside the gate or they died at the hands of, a, of, a, of, a, of an opposing army. They thought, hey, you know what? We're going to die anyway, so let's, let's risk it on and just see what might happen. And so they go in and they discover that everyone's gone. And so it goes on to tell a bit of a story and say, so you know, what, and they went in and they they pinched everyone's stuff and they started burying it, hiding because now they are incredibly wealthy. And then they found all this food, and so they're stuffing their face and everything else. And then we come to verse nine. Verse nine says this, and they stopped, and they said to each other, "What we're doing is not right." This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. Then it goes on to say, let's go at once and report it to the royal palace. On reporting it. The whole, the whole city of Samaria spurge, sp- spilled out of the gates, and they, they were able to get food and water and drink and everything else, and they were able to live. I was reading this during the week, and what struck me was, there is something about the desperation of people that attracts the attention of God. There's something about here we have four guys who've got nothing to lose and they go, you know what, we've got nothing to lose. And so we're risking it all and we're just gonna see how it all pans out. I, I see the desperation of four guys who, who are desperately hungry and so they would do whatever it takes to try and find some food to fill their belly, bellies. The hungry of four outcast lepers leads them to risk it all, to step out, which in turns saves Elisha the prophet, saves the king, and saves the whole city. See, hungry will cause us to do desperate things. See, I don't know about you, but my conviction for me this year is I want to be more hungry for the presence of God than for food. You see, there's something about hunger that will push us to places that, that God wants us to go that if we're not desperate enough or hungry enough, we will never end up in. There's, there's something about our hunger that we'll, we will push through that we will sacrifice, that we will go the extra mile, that we will seek Him like never before, that we will do a whole lot of things all because we've now got desperate enough, we've now got hungry enough. See, I don't know about you, but I can't do what I did in last year. I don't want to continue just going through the motions in my faith. I don't want to just continue going through the motions in my marriage. I don't want to just continue going through the motions with the people that God has brought into my life. I don't want to continue just going through the motions in everything that I do. But this year is a year where I've said, you know what God, I want more of your presence. God this year, I want more of you in my family. God this year, I want more of you in with my kids. God this year, I want more of you in my marriage, God, this year, as I read your word again, I want you to speak to me this year like you have never spoken to me before. God, this year, I desperately want more of your presence in my life this year. God, I want more of your presence in our church. When it comes to a time of worship that we walk in kind of ready and primed and we're, God, we just wanna worship you this morning. God, we just wanna encounter with you God, you know what our week has been like, what our week is going to be like, and yet God, regardless of any of that, God, I just want to be in a place where I'm desperate for your presence. And so from the very first moment that, that Carrie or one of the teams strum an instrument or, or sing a tune, God, I'm there because God, I want more of your presence in my life. I was thinking about it this week. I think I want to get to the point where my spiritual life becomes as as active as my snack life. I want to get to a moment where my spiritual life is as active and at work as my snack life is. You know those moments where you get the munchies and you just won't give up until you've pinched some of the kids' chocolate or your whatever it is to try and find whatever you need to do to get the fix that you need to get the fix? So I realized this week that it's all about what we're feeding. See, if, if we don't try and feed more of what God is doing in our life, more of what we believe in God for in our life, we start to fill our lives with other things we start to fill our lives with you know, things like you know, the, the, the preparations and the planning for the next beach trip that we wanna to go to, or the overseas holiday or the, the new house and the new car or the, the new shoes that need a new bit of technology or whatever it might be for you. Those moments where if I don't fill my life with a passion and a desire for more of God, then what ends up happening is it becomes more about the new thing that I can try and get into my life. But you know what I know? And you know what you know when we get the stuff? We just know it seems to not fill. You know, when we get the new toy and it's shiny and it's exciting for 25 minutes until the kids drop it and crack something, and all of a sudden we realize, you know what, it just didn't feel like what I thought it might fill. We realize that it doesn't bring hope, we realize that it doesn't restore back joy. We realize that it doesn't bring purpose. We realize that it doesn't bring a sense of belonging. We realize none of these things but Jesus. There's nothing quite like the presence of God. Matthew 6, says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So it's in these moments when we cry out to the Holy Spirit, it's in these moments that we, we hunger for God. When, we knew, when, we, when our stomach is grumbling and all we can think about is food, instead we turn our attention back on to Jesus. The thing that I've discovered and the thing that, I, that we will discover is that God meets us in that place because I don't know about you, but I want to be more hungry for the presence of God than for food. See, my prayer for, for myself, my prayer for all of us is that we go on this 21-day fast, that we will experience the power of God in our lives, that we will hear from God, that like me sitting on that little that, the, the log underneath that tree, that God would just crank the volume up of His voice into our lives, that we, as we read His Word, that we'd be like spiritual red bull poured all over, becoming more and more alive and vibrant into our lives as we do this. So see, there's something that fasting does that appears that nothing else does. In Mark chapter 9, it tells, there's a story, an encounter where Jesus is with his disciples and a, and a dad comes with his son. And he drags drags his son down because the Bible records that his son is filled with an evil spirit. And, And it goes on to talk about what this evil spirit has done to his son to try and kill and wipe out his son. And so dad, in his desperation of what has happened and what he sees each and every day, brings his son before Jesus and the disciples. It's kind of like, I picture it like this. The disciples kind of stand in front of Jesus, goes, hey Jesus, we got this one. You said that we can do great things and so you just, we're gonna do them right now. And so they try and cast out, this, this evil spirit out of the boy and it doesn't work. And they'll try again. Nothing happens. They try a third time. I'm lucky. And it doesn't happen. And they all kind of stand back. and the, the dad, I mean, imagine what it must have been like for the dad. Your own son. Bible talks about, you know, that this evil spirit would try and throw the boy on fires to try and kill him. And then Jesus quietly, Jesus quietly steps up And in Matthew chapter 6, it says, oh, sorry, sorry, Mark chapter 9, uh, it, it talks about the fact that he stood up. He stood up and he walked over to his son. And it says, verse 28, after Jesus, oh, sorry, and then he walked up and he simply said, Words, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shivered, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that they said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. Verse 28 goes on to say this After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Jesus, why couldn't we drive him out? Kind of at the moment where Jesus stops and he looks at them. And he says, this this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. See, I don't know how it works. I don't understand everything, church. But all I know is that there's, you know those moments when you've tried everything and nothing else will work? You know those moments where you've looked at your life and you've gone, you know what? I I so was desperate, I was so desperately hoping that this would happen and, and praying and whatever and it just didn't work. You know those moments where you just, you hoped and prayed that it might change and it just didn't change? There's something about fasting that breaks through some of those barriers. There's, there's something about praying and fasting that, that Jesus was so clear on. In fact, that's why he started his ministry for 40 days. He went into the wilderness and he actually prayed and fasted for us. And he prayed and fasting in preparation for the ministry that he was about to do. See, there's something about praying and fasting that releases things in the supernatural. There's there's supernatural powers and there's things that can only happen through prayer and fasting. And I don't understand why or how that happens. All I know is it just happens. There's also a reward that comes from fasting. The reward is that sometimes we gain a new intimacy, a greater intimacy with God. Sometimes we gain a a greater revelation and new understanding of what God has called us into, a new direction for our life. For some of us, it might be a breakthrough in our marriages or finances or or resisting temptation or whatever it might be for you. For some of us, it's gonna be a greater fruitfulness as we seek to, to reach the people that we're called to live, work, and laugh with. And seeing God do greater and more incredible things. For some of us, it's, it's, it's only in these moments that we see a, a break of addictions and habits in our lives. See, if we, go, if we don't go through the door, we don't get what's behind the door. Fasting is the gateway to intimacy and a greater power through Jesus. And lastly, how to fast. Well, Matthew 20, uh, sorry, Matthew 6 says this. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For, you are dis, for, you, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your beard and wash your face so that you will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And, when, and, and your Father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you in public. See, we're to understand here that for the Pharisees, this was part of the demeanor. This is what they did. They were all about the show. It was about, you know what, we did this. So it was like, it makes everyone, you know, suck air when they walk past because they like they knew that they kind of had this face on that was like, that's the fasting face. And so everyone knew that this was the deal for them. And they, it was all about their show. It was all about them looking good in public. And Jesus here is saying, you know, what, if you're gonna do it like that, the, the only congratulations you get is gonna get a pat on the back from other people as they go, you know what, that's awesome that you are fast and you must be so much more religious and so much more spiritual than I am. See, we've got to understand that when we fast, we're not to walk around and let everyone know about the fact that we're fasting it's so that they look at you how spiritual you are. You know, when we fast, we're to make ourselves look good. Now I know that for some of us like myself, that's harder to, harder to make work than for others of us. But for, other, for But for when we fast, we do it out of worship and devotion for God. And then God will see what you're doing. And he will reward. That's his words, not mine. You know what, for fasting, it's going to look different. It probably will look different for every one of us. You know, it might be from fasting from food. It might be a part fast or a whole fast or whatever that looks like. You know, as I said, I'm going to do the Daniel fast, which means no meat, no bread, no desserts, no coffee, no fun. You know, for some of us, it might be social media fast. You know, for some of us, I know that you get home from a busy day at work or kids or whatever it might be, and and all you want to do is scroll and tune out for a few minutes. What you need to do is tune in to God and not look at social media for a season. For some of you, it might be TV. For some of you, it might be chocolate. For some of you, it might be coffee. For some of you, it might be be music. For some of you, it might be hot showers. You know, for some of you, it might be unnecessary shopping. And all husband said... Amen. And uh, you know, for some of us, it might be alcohol. Whatever it might be for you, it's refra- refraining from something significant so that we can put the priority back on God. And it's during these times that we pray. We seek Him and we read our Bibles together. See, fasting for me shows what's most important. You know what, as I said before, what I'm most looking forward to, I'm not overly looking forward about fasting. I need to be honest. Not looking forward to it, but what I am looking forward to is what God will do as we put Him first. Looking forward to actually sacrificing something because of the ridiculous sacrifice that God made for us. See, I want to be so hungry for God's presence, more hungry than a steak or a pork knuckle or whatever it might be, more thirsty for His Spirit than another cup of coffee. See, I want to be hungrier for the presence of God than for food. See, we do this because we realise that we live in a in a church in the Western world. We live in a church in the Western world and where the, the, the church in the Western world is on incredible decline and, it, and it's dying faster than it's ever died before. And if we just keep heading that way, then the same thing is gonna continue to happen. But if we get desperate enough for God and His presence, maybe just maybe something might change. As we begin to change, as we the church begin to change, as we the people of God begin to change and God begins to birth a new hunger and a new desire in our lives. And maybe just maybe something might begin to change in our communities. Something might begin to change in our nation. See church, I want us, not just me, to be more hungry for God than for food. See, church, I want us to do this, not so that we can walk around and go, you know what, I'm doing the Daniel fast. I'm not eating. What I want us to do is come humbly for God. You know what, God, you have given us so much and God, you have done so much for our lives and God, I want more. God, I want more of you. God, I want more of You in my life. God, I want more of You in my family. God, I want more of You in, in, in my friendships. God, I want more of You in our church. God, I want more people to step in these doors and know that every single person who comes to those doors is welcome. God, I want, I want more of You so that people, more people who are more broken, God, people who are lost will walk in these doors and realise that there is a God that loves them. That they will walk in these doors and realise that there can be hope regardless of what they face. They can come in these doors and realise that no matter what they're facing, that there is people who will stand with them, that will stand alongside them just like. And because we've got a Father, stands alongside and stands with us. God, I want more of you in my life. I want more of your presence of God. I want to be more hungry. I want to be hungrier for your presence than for food. See, we don't have to do this. You don't have to do it. But what would miss out? What would we miss out on if we don't? I want to make this really, really super practical in the last couple of minutes. I want to challenge you this week. I want you to just do me a favor. Actually, scratch that. I want you to do yourselves a favor. You know what, God? I'm going to experiment. I'm going to risk it this week. And I'm actually going to say no to some things so I can say yes to you. God, actually this week, I'm going to I'm going to say no to some things that that are actually really valuable and really significant in my life so I can make more space for you. So at the back after the service, we've got an art easel. And on there is is the dates of the next 21 days and there's some little spots underneath. And I want to encourage you, you know what, why don't you, after the service, before we go outside and not get wet, why don't you grab a pen? Why don't you put your name next to one of those dates, next to one of those times and say, you know what, God, This this is actually... I'm not going to hold you accountable. You're not going to get a phone call on Thursday and go, so uh, Steve, your name down is there. Are you fasting? What are you fasting from? And uh, no, this is actually just a moment between you and God. God, I'm just going to, I'm going to do something practical today. Whatever that fast needs to be. You know, maybe it's more than, maybe it's more than one day. Maybe it's 21 days, maybe it's 10 days, three days. There's no magical number. We're just calling our church this morning for the next 21 days to simply say yes to Jesus ending on on March 1 to see what God might do. How hungry are you to see God's power poured out in your life? How hungry are you for God's power to be poured out on your marriage? to be poured out on your friends, to be poured out on your workplace, to be poured out on our church, to be poured out on the community that where we are, to be poured out on our world. How desperate are you? How desperate am I to hear God's voice? What a powerful name is the name of Jesus. He's the God that forgives. He's the God that heals. He's the God that gives hope. The God that gives purpose. And so this morning, just as we close this service, I wanna ask some of you, maybe you've come here for the first time or the 10th time, but this morning needs to be your morning to simply say yes to Jesus. God is saying, come home. Come home. I want a relationship with You. In fact, I want a relationship with You so much that I sent my one and only Son. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. You want to come home this morning? Will you make the best decision you'll ever make? To simply say yes to Jesus. So this morning, while everyone is standing here with you, will you raise your hand and say, yes, this morning, that's me. This morning, I need to come home. This morning, I need to say yes to Jesus. To gain forgiveness for my past, to hope for the future. So this morning, if that's you in this place, will you just raise your hand with me? While everyone, everyone else here prays for you and is expectant for you, and wants to celebrate with you this morning, will you say yes to Jesus? Come on, is that you this morning? It's not something you need to be scared of or ashamed of. The best decision you will ever make. Is
1: that
0: you this morning? We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us,
1: please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.